this is, J- Jason did say uh, earlier that he was very tired this morning and that uh, he hoped that I would keep him awake during service. So, Jason, I, uh, I dedicate this morning to you, buddy. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, this is, um, uh, this is, this subject, I guess you could say, this, I, I think this is probably probably the foundation that a lot of things uh, in our Christian walk is built upon, is based upon. They're, they're, to me, there has to start here and sit. In fact, this, this is why I, I, I jump into it from this angle, is Second uh, Chronicles, when, it, when the Lord says, if, you know, when everything is going bad, if, if you'll do these things, he, he starts off with humble yourself. And, and then he says, pray, seek his face, uh, turn from your wicked way, stop sinning. But it's interesting that the, the starting point, again, I, there's, when, you, when you're looking at Scripture, the order that things are written is, is very, very important. It's as important as the, what is written. The order sets the stage for a lot of things for us and helps us understand how God is doing what He is doing. And so the idea of humility, I want us to, to jump into this this morning. And my, my desire with this is that you really just open your spirit and let the Holy Spirit show you some things. Uh, when we get to the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack a little bit of a, a thing that kind of gets into our mind and our spirits that's it's a hindrance for us. But, but to really say, okay, Lord, I, I, every one of us can, can work on humility. Every single human can work on humility. The, the, the reason that sometimes we think, because I've, I've had this discussion at different times where people think you can be too humble. Well, what that means is uh, we, are, we are misunderstanding um, uh, insecurities and low self-esteem with true humility. Okay, you can't, you can't be too humble. There's no, there's no possible way you can be too humble. But, but, if, but if you are one of the, the, the kind of the person or you deal with people that it's all just poor me, poor me, poor me, that's, that's not the same thing as humility. Okay, and so as we process through this, Numbers chapter 12, I, I love this, this sentence. I, I say this sentence every now and then just because I, I just think it's interesting. It's, it, it's, it's entertaining to me, too. It's also kind of funny, but it's, um, but it's extremely um, interesting, all right? Numbers chapter 12, uh, verse 3. I'm just pulling this out of the whole thing. It says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Not the most humble in his city, the most humble in his chariot. Uh, he was the most humble on the earth. Now, here's the interesting part of this. Who wrote this? Moses. Now, here's, here's an important theological, this is actually a theological thing. You have, this is a mindset that you have to go into when you're looking at Scripture. I think this is very important. This is extremely important when you're going into Scripture, is if we believe um, we, we, I read this last week in, in 2 Timothy where every, uh, all Scripture is inspired by God. If we really believe that, then, then actually that tells us a lot of things about a lot of Scriptures. Why did God uh, put that in there? All these other things, okay? Well, this is one of those Scriptures where you have to have a starting point that says, I believe that all Scripture is inspired by God and that nothing makes it in the Bible that God did not want there. And that what we are reading in our scripture today, um, it, 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 no, all the stuff we're reading, 
was, was, was superintended or policed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? We don't believe in, in dictation uh, uh, kind of mentality of uh, inspiration. But, but that this was, this was, it made the cut. The Holy Spirit was okay that Moses said that at the very least, and I would go so far as to say the Holy Spirit um, told Moses to say this. Now that changes the dynamic of this sentence from just a casual uh, conversation you may have with somebody. I was, I was sitting at lunch this last week in a restaurant, and there was, these, um, there was this uh, group behind me, about 10 people behind me, and one of the guys, and I, and I actually kind of turned my head a little bit just to see if he was joking because nobody laughed. He was not joking. He was dead serious when he said this to this other group. He was the, about the youngest one in the group, which was interesting too. But he said, now, guys, I want you to know, I know just about everything there is to know about relationships. When he said that, I was like, I need to know who this guy is. And then he said three or four things that proved to me that first statement was not true. That's not, that's not the same thing that's going on with Moses here, okay? Now think about this. The Holy Spirit inspired Moses to say that he is the most humble person on the earth. Now, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Not why would Moses. We could come up with a lot of reasons why Moses want to say that. But, if, but all the reasons that we potentially would come up with for Moses to say it would disprove the statement. But the fact that the Holy Spirit makes sure this gets in Scripture sets the stage for a lot of things that Moses does. When you're going over Moses' life and the decisions he makes and what's he does and all these other things, you, you can keep in the back of your mind... Moses truly was the most humble person on earth. When, when he attacks the, the young Egyptian that killed the, uh, uh, that was abusing the Jewish person, okay, that, that uh, apparently that came from a stance of humility. Now, there, here's the question is, was Moses the most humble then, or was Moses only the most humble later? Because this sentence doesn't tell us. Now, I, I would argue he... He became humble over time. I would, I would struggle with the, the moment with the Egyptian guys being the, you know, a great humble act um, because of some things that happened later. But we see where Moses is the most humble person on the planet. Now, th- this, is, this, is, this is why uh, this is so important for us because I really do believe that as a Christian, not, not, not when you're trying to have the revelation of who Jesus is or you're getting saved or in those kinds, but I think as a Christian, after you, after you have accepted Jesus, which this has to be part of the uh, accepting the salvation moment, but as a Christian, the most important thing, the most important trait that you can have is humility. The most important. This is, this is more important than being a great student of the Word. This is, and you, you guys know how, how strongly I feel about you need to get in the Word, you need to be studying the Word, and you need to but humility is more important than being a great student of the Bible. Humility is, a great, is, the mo, is more important than being a great person of prayer. Now, now why, why would I say that? Prayer, prayer is huge. Prayer is extremely important. It's how you interact with God. But see, going back to Second Chronicles, it says, humble yourself before you pray. Humble yourself, then pray, then seek his face. Humble yourself first. Why? 
Because I've experienced this, I'm sure most, if not every one of us in here has experienced this, that even as you pray, if you're not doing that through the point of humility, if, you're not, if your foundation is not humbling yourself before God, even your prayers are different. They can even be skewed. I have prayed for things that, that I know before, during, and after were not what God wanted from me. But I have prayed for that because I didn't humble myself first. Even, even prayer. Uh, being Humility is more important than, than a Christian service. Any of the things that we, would, that we would put into that, including obviously the most important thing, telling somebody about Jesus, the, you, you, humbling yourself. In fact, I, I strongly believe that the reason that we as Christians on a, on a regular basis don't accomplish some of the things that we're supposed to i.e. the most important is telling people about Jesus because we haven't humbled ourselves. We're doing our Christianity our way. We're doing it from the mentality of I know what's best, I can do this, whatever. When you humble yourself before God, then you get in His presence. As you you go through your day, you're going to have a much more moved spirit toward lost people. You're going to have a much more thinking mentality toward lost people because you've humbled yourself before Almighty God that saved your soul. When, when, as I said a few weeks ago, that I think one of the, the greatest hindrances, or, or the way I said it was, the importance of preaching the gospel diminishes the, the farther from our salvation we get. Now, that's not a time on task. It's not tenure. That can happen quickly, actually. And you can be a Christian a very long time and not be far away from your salvation. But the further we get from the reality and the understanding the, and the, the, uh, um, the depth of the fact that Jesus has saved us, the farther we get from that, the less we care about lost people. Humbling yourself re- realigns that, brings that back into focus. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, now this, this is one of these kind of stories that I believe, and I think a lot of stories in Scripture are this way, that, that God gives us all the information that we're supposed to have. He does this for all kinds of of um, theological things. In fact, here's, here's one of the big ones that I get asked different times, but, but it just seems to kind of cyclically flow through Christian thought process or whatever. But I will have people ask me, well, why was God okay with uh, men having multiple wives in the Old Testament, but he's not okay with it now? The reason that we ask that question is we're not looking at all the information that we've been given. God was not okay with multiple wives in the Old Testament, any more than he is in the New Testament. God's the same. He doesn't change. There's, there's tons of information that shows us that God was not okay with that. But God, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll watch as you're looking through Scripture, God gives you all the necessary details to help you understand the entire thing. But God does not, this is the way my grandmother used to say it when I was growing up, God doesn't chew his cabbage twice. Okay? Some of you are like, I don't even like cabbage. What does that have to do with this? God doesn't, God doesn't, he doesn't have to tell us twice. And he oftentimes does not tell us twice. This is simple things like when, when, the, um, when the prophet said, I'm going to go bless these people, and God said, don't do it. And then he argued with God for a while, and God just got silent. And then he said, okay, go do it. Well, here's the thing. It's because God already told you, and God does not change his mind. When God comes back around to you and says, okay, go do it, that's not a good thing. You understand what I'm saying. When he, when, he, when he finally says, all right, whatever, that is not a good thing because he's already told you. 
And when he tells you, he expects you to listen. Well, this is, this is that kind of thing going through this story here about King Saul. God tells King Saul stuff. King Saul makes his own decision. And we're going to look at the details of why he makes that decision, because that's the most important for us today. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. One day Samuel said to Saul. Now, when it says Samuel said to Saul, it's because God told Samuel to tell him this. Okay? It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to his, this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has decided. Now again, titles, when God uses certain titles for himself, that means stuff. The reason that the title for this, the reason that God calls him this, himself this rather than something else, he calls him the, the Lord of heaven's armies, is because this, it has bearing on the story. This is about military stuff that's going on, and God is making sure that Saul knows um, God knows battle stuff, okay? He's not just guessing here. All right. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek. This is, this is a total side thing. This is not the direction I'm going with this. But I did think about this a few different times this week, and I read that sentence. This is that God decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek. I believe, again, this is not my point this morning, but I just want you to process it. I believe that us as America, we are getting close to that sentence being said about us. If, if he has not already said it. All right? I believe God is about to settle account with America. We, we have just gone so far away from who he is. Just so far away from who he is. That it's just surprising to me sometimes how, how deep into just sin and just open rebellion against God. Not just open rebellion in a general sense, but specific rebellion against God. And that just, I just think that's dangerous. So, I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalekit for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Okay. Now then, uh, we're going to jump down to verse 20, but in between here and verse 20, the battle happens, Saul does some stuff. Okay, verse 20, Samuel comes back to Saul and says, Saul, I told you to do all this stuff. God said do all this stuff. You didn't do it. Here's what Saul says, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. It's, it's just so interesting to me that we as as uh, followers of God, we as Christians today, we still struggle with this, that we can do something that God has told us not to do and still argue, I believe in our own mind, argue that we're really doing what God has told us. That we, this is, and this is the danger, is I think, there is a good, I think there is a good argument that could be made that Saul probably thought he was doing the right thing. But the reason he thought that is because his foundation was not right. His foundation was not built in humility. When your foundation is not in humility, you're going to be able to make decisions that go against what God says, and you will justify it to yourself. To yourself, you will justify it. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. That's, but that's not what he was told. God didn't say destroy all the people. God said destroy everything. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle and plunder 
to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. That's not what God said. God told him something specific. I've seen this, you've seen this many different ways over the years. Well, we will start to justify certain things. We can do it relationally, we can do it financially, we can do it all kinds of things. I, I had this um I had these people that came to me years ago, and uh, they were they were like um they, they had just started coming to our church at the time. We were not here. We were pastoring our last church. And, then, and um, they were all about missions, 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 missions. They were excited about missions. So they were going to open this business to support missions. And, and so they, they came to me and sat down. And he had a separate job. And, and uh, she was going to open this business, start missions. And they came and drew out the plan. Very well laid out business plan. You could tell this was going to work. Very good business mind. All this kind of stuff. And they said, we're going to do this. We're going to lay out this business plan. We're going to do this. And this is to give money to missions. I'm like, that's amazing. That's great. And so I didn't process this. So if you guys don't know how I, how I do things, this is, regardless of whether you agree or don't agree, that's not why I'm saying this. I'm going to continue doing this, okay? So um, I don't really pay attention to who ties and who doesn't tie. I just don't do that. Um, it's, not, it's not a really, like, overt thing that I do. I don't have, like, a strong reason, except when I get up and speak in moments like this, it gives me deniability. I don't know what you're doing. So when I say something, you go, oh, he's picking on me. Nope. But yep. So, so here is, here is the disclaimer. I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention to their finances or whatever. So the business starts strong, does, and then it starts kind of crumbling, doing some things. And so they come back to me. They say, well, we're struggling with this. We're doing this. But we really believe that God told us to do this. Okay. You know, whatever. And they said, well, can, can you help us? I don't, I don't know how to help you. I don't, it's your business, all this kind of stuff. I said, you know, God promises as long as you're tithing. And they said, oh, we wanted to mention something to you about that. We tithe into our business because it's a missions-giving endeavor. And I said, well, there's your problem. You don't tithe to your business. That doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. You're not tied to your business. What if our business is a Christian organization? This is a trap. I've talked. This has happened many times over the years in conversations I've had with people. You, you can you can call it whatever you want, but according to Scripture, you tied to the local storehouse. Your your store. That there's only one definition for that in Scripture. What we would call today the church, the local church. Not a ministry, not a thing. And, and with a missionary sitting here, I'm, I'm assuming he would agree. You don't tie to missions. Not, nod your head, David. You don't tie to missions. Guys, you give to missions, but you tie to the storehouse. But it's amazing how easily we as Christians can justify anything we want because our foundation doesn't start right. If we haven't humbled ourselves before God, which means, God, your law is over everything I'm going to do. Your will, your spirit, your plan, your word overrides anything that I think or want. Humility will get you into that place. A lack of humility will begin to justify and categorize and put things in different places in your life where you will begin to justify certain things. Humility will keep that from happening, potentially keep that from happening. Okay? 
So, he says, I did this. I did exactly what you told me to do. Now, I want to I look at uh, four things, and then we're going uh, to come back into some of these scriptures and look at the rest of the story of King Saul in just a second. But the first thing is that humility acknowledges something bigger than, than you. One basic tenet of faith, just the, just the foundation of faith, is, is there is a God, and I'm not him. That's just the basic. This is, this is really an interesting thing that I'm, I've been watching. You guys know I pay attention to a lot of stuff going on out there in, um, in a culture and blogs and, and, and um, who's saying what politically and who's saying what spiritually and all kinds of stuff. I pay a lot of attention to a lot of things out there. And it is interesting that in a lot of the um, atheist science, because those usually are tied very closely together, atheist science ranks, that over the last decade there has been a a major breaking apart, and there's been some very key uh, movements in books specifically that, 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 have, that have changed some of this, but a lot of the atheist, science, evolution, no God kind of mentality that's, that's been so strong for so long is starting to crumble, and people are saying, there's got to be something else. There has got to be, and it used to, they used to try to cover it with um, intelligent designers, but now people are actually moving strongly toward there's got to be a God. That, that's an amazing steps. Now, the, the human nature still says, specifically when that's your background, human nature still says two basic things. I'm going to define that God, and I'm not going to serve him. And if you define him, it's okay not to serve him, because that's not the real God. So, so there, is this, there is this beginning of, see, I think coming through the through the Industrial Revolution, the age of science, and all this kind of stuff, and specifically the last 30, 40 years, just the explosion of science and medical science and, and, um, and, and physics and all kinds of stuff, we've actually come full circle and realized, we, we used to think we, we had figured it all out. And now we're coming full circle and realizing, specifically some of the generations coming up now, there's so many things we don't have the answer for. And the more we thought we did, it actually opened a lot. And actually, every single one of them was another Pandora's box of we don't know. And there's, there's this hint, a potential hint, in my opinion, of, of a uh, humility on the horizon. A, a true cultural humility, which I believe is potentially the Holy Spirit setting the stage for a true move of God among uh, the generations coming up. Because there's a, we don't know. And when you start saying, we don't know, you actually start looking for truth, which science has not been doing over the last 50 years. We haven't been looking for truth. We've been trying to define what we want and then, and then um, corroborate that. And now there seems to be this, this breaking, this humility. So the first thing, humility acknowledges something bigger than you. And so the question I throw out here is, how big do you think you are? Because that's a good starting point for um, something bigger than you. How big do you think you are? And here's a good way to establish it. How big do you think you are in relationship to others? How big are you? That, that's a great indicator of humility. Now, I'm going to throw this out because this is going to affect us all at different levels, all right? Um, and, and, and a lot of us in here are going to be found guilty because of the statement. But don't overdo this statement. Just let it be a... Just let it be a little convicting factor, okay? Not a condemning thing. Have you ever had the thought to yourself in whatever setting, your work setting, uh, on the freeway, whatever, everybody else out here is an idiot. 
Have you ever had that thought? Now, I've never, I never thought that, ever. But, but to ask yourself, because see, what that is, what that is, without, without trying to, and I'm not overstating this, it's not like you sin, you're going to hell because of that. But, but here's the thing, what that is, is that's that human nature trying to rise to the surface and say, I'm pretty big, I'm pretty important. I'm the only one that gets this, or, or I'm the only good driver, or I'm the only good um, parent, I'm the only good spouse, right? We do this. We look at other things, and we pick on all those things. We pick on all that stuff. I've had this conversation with people that try to assess what I do as a pastor. I'm like, well, you, anytime you want to strap this gun belt on, do it. You have no idea what that means. That's... That's like when we were sitting in the hospital yesterday. My mother had had some issues going on, so we spent most of yesterday in the hospital. And the, and the doctor came in, and, and my mother and Linda were trying to explain to the doctor something. And I, and I finally said, I think she knows this. She does have a degree. Just going out on a limb there. Uh, because they were like, you know, th- when this happens, and the doctor's looking, I'm like, uh-huh, all right, okay, okay. You know, I mean, they, she knows. Stop talking. She's a doctor, you know, but... But there's this thing that we can't help it. There's this human nature thing that rises up, right? It says, so to ask the question again, how big are you? If humility establishes that something is bigger than you, then how big are you? And specifically in relationship to other people. The second thing, humility establishes your fallibility. Now, this this is a big one. Because, again... Salvation is the moment when your fallibility is brought to you face-to-face. Potentially. It doesn't always happen exactly like that. But you, but you realize that you're a sinner. You realize you're broken. You realize you need something. You realize you need help. All these other kind of things. That's, that's what usually happens or should happen at a salvation moment where you say, I need God. Why? Because I'm not. Um, I need God because why? Because he's the forgiver. He's the Savior. So all those things are saying you can't provide those things in your life. You can, I, I saw an interview this week with some actor, famous actor, if I said his name, you know him, but he was talking about this moment when he realized he had won an Oscar and he had realized that um, you could chase that all your life and it still wouldn't bring fulfillment. And I'm waiting for the next few sentences. I was interested. And he said, because as a human, that, you can never be fulfilled that way. He never said what fulfills him. And I thought, I'd like to know. If that doesn't, and chasing the dream or whatever, that's not fulfilling, then what is fulfilling? Because I know this guy's not a Christian. He's very obvious. But what, what, is, what brings that fulfillment in your life? So salvation is potentially that moment. But, but here's something that happens. Again, the farther away you get from your salvation, the easier it is to begin to think that you are um, infallible, that you have arrived, you're super holy, or all these other things that can come along with this. And this is why it's important to stay, to stay uh, close in understanding of what our salvation is. The, 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 you know, the, the statement, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's interesting how quickly we can try to find higher ground after that. So we can look down on the people at the foot of the cross. As it, we've got to stay at the foot of the cross for the rest of your life. You've got to stay at the foot of the cross. Be, because you are a sinner. You are fallible. You, you, you are going to make mistakes. You you need Jesus Christ. And when we get away from that, that's where, 
That's where um, arrogance and legalism and all that stuff comes in. Because we forget, Jesus saved me. Why? Because I needed saving. Well, you still need saving today. Right now. Today. And if there's any part of you right now going, I, don't, I think I'm pretty good. You need saving the most. Okay. So here's my question for that. How broken are you in relationship to others? That's, the reason I'm asking in relationship to others is because that's what will help assess it for you. If, you just say, if I just say, how broken are you, and we look only to Jesus, we say, oh, I'm really broken. But then we look at others and we say, but not that broken. That's where the, that's where the humility stops. When we look at Jesus, sure, I need saving. When we look at others, that's where the humility stops. But not they need saving more. Right? Okay. So third thing, humility should... Bring submission. And this is, this is where it gets a little difficult. This is where this derails. Is if it's true humility, it will bring submission. According to Ephesians 5, we submit to everybody. I've mentioned this before talking about marriage. Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 20 says submit to, or maybe 21, says submit to each other. Then two verses later it says, wives submit to your husbands. And it's interesting how easily we can point to wives submit to your husbands and forget the two verses earlier it said everybody submit to everybody. We submit to each other. Because I've said this before to husband and wives that are in need of counseling. And I say, you know, are you, uh, to both of them, you, are you submitting to each other? And I have had husbands say, well, I'm not supposed to submit to her. I'm only supposed to love her. You're right. Those are totally different. As we submit to each other, you and I, we're all supposed to be submitting to each other. And the reason we struggle in life is because we think we're not supposed to do that, or we don't have to do that, or we've graduated above that, and people are supposed to submit to me. I've had this conversation with pastors. It drives me crazy when I see pastors put themselves up on some kind of pedestal, and they don't need accountability. They don't submit to people. They're the great kings that run everything. and do Man, that stuff drives me crazy. First, you are setting an example that is going to ruin people's lives someday. Maybe not right at that moment, but it's going to mess some people up because that thing, that they think that's a biblical model. And Jesus got down on his knees and washed the stinky, cheese-infested feet of other guys. And he, and he did that because he was saying, this is what Christian walk is. This is what Christian thinking is. This is what letting my blood cover you and change you is you, sur you serve and you surrender and you submit. And we do this for each other. And if somebody can come up to you and say, hey, I think there could be something different in your life. I'm noticing that now, obviously, there's relational context for all of this. But, hey, you need to be doing something different. Man, that rubs us wrong. I know everything. This is not submission. Humility, potentially, because if you truly humble yourself, you're going to humble yourself before God. And if you truly humble yourself before God, then you will humble yourself before other people. And you will submit to other people. And you'll look for people to be in, in uh, positions of authority and leadership in your life. You will look for that because you're in submission. It's when you reject those kind of things. That's a sign that there's... There's a lack of submission, which is a guarantee there's a lack of humility. Okay, so, so um, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 4, I always think of this when it comes to true humility. 
this story always comes to my mind, so I thought I'd throw it out. I'm not going to go into great detail, but this is, this is well into Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's done a lot of things up until now, and God had been using it. It literally says in Scripture that God used Nebuchadnezzar this way. God used Nebuchadnezzar, and sometimes it wasn't good stuff. And then, and then it gets to a point where, where Nebuchadnezzar is standing on his balcony he's saying, look at what I have done, okay? When, he, when that happens, Daniel chapter 4, verse 33, that same hour the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. This is the king of up, up until that time, the, the greatest, largest, most powerful kingdom ever to be on the earth, the, the Babylonian empire, okay? Nebuchadnezzar says, look what I have built. And he says, judgment happens. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird claws. After this, Nebuchadnezzar is the one telling this. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. That's the beginning. It's a good point. Now, here, here's, what, here's what I've thought many times with this story. I hope I look up to heaven before this. Right? I hope I, I, man. Now, is God doing it exactly like this? God doesn't do exactly anything exactly like he's ever done before. Does God still do this stuff today? I really believe this. And I think some of the reasons that we go through the, some of the junk that we're going through is because we haven't humbled ourselves before God. Now, again, don't overstate that because I don't know exactly what, I, I couldn't define that exactly for your life. And if I began to try, it would become judgmental on my part because I don't know. I don't know all the stuff. Sometimes Satan is just picking on us and we're, and we're Job, we're doing the right things, okay? But sometimes we're like Nebuchadnezzar and sometimes the reason we're going through the difficult stuff is because we have not been humbling ourselves. We got a better plan. We can do this better. He says, my sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven, among the peoples of the earth. No one can stop him or say, what do you mean by doing these things? This is a great statement of faith right here. God, you are God, and I am sorry for any time I've thought you're not. When you're out eating grass... Digging with your claws, you have a tendency to get to this point. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Number four, humility brings equality. And that's, that's very key. It's key in our personal Christian walk. It's key in our country. It's key around the planet. Humility brings equality. When you humble yourself before God, you realize that all people are the same. That God has created us equal. Not the same, but he's created us equal. That all people are unique and they're special, just as special as you are. You're special to God. You're extremely special. But so are all the other people he's made. And, and this, this humbling ourselves before God will bring this equality. I put an important statement here. I, I, I think you, you may have to wrap your mind around a little bit. But my goal is to be more like Jesus, not a greater version of myself. And we can be trapped into thinking in today's society that I'm supposed to be a greater version of myself. Develop me, develop me, develop me. Which is, which, there's nothing wrong with that. 
it, but my opinion is you better be doing it in Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because then you'll be developing you the way Jesus wants, which is what? He wants you to be more like him, less like you. And if you're just trying to be a greater version of yourself, you, your trajectory could actually be leading you away from Jesus. Because he wants you to be more like him. So let's go back to the story of David, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord said, told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul? I always think it's interesting that Saul was very interested in hearing this. But I think part of the reasons, well, I'll explain that in a second. Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself. Now, why would Samuel say that? If you go back into the story of Saul, when he was, when Samuel was trying to anoint him to be king, Saul didn't want to do it, and he was hiding because he was insecure. He was hiding, trying to stay away from all of this, running. He actually took off and left the city. All of this stuff that's going on. And Samuel said, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? In other words, God put you here. You may think little of yourself, but God doesn't think little of yourself. Now, there's two sides of this that are very important. One is, when God tells you something about you, if, if you argue with God, if you, if you try to resist that because of your insecurities, that is a form of rebellion. Now, listen to this. This is important. This isn't comfortable, but this is very important. Insecurity is, is, a, is founded upon rebellion. Because insecurity says... I'm the one deciding things. I'm the one who decides what criteria goes on, all this other kind of stuff. Now, I'm saying this specifically as a Christian, okay? But when you realize that God has made you, when you realize that God is your king, when you realize that God sent Jesus to save you, why would insecurity still exist with you? Now, I know that different ones of us in here, I believe every human struggles with insecurity at some level. But the reason is because we're human that are struggling with rebellion. Insecurity says, I define how people see me, not God. Insecurity says, I define how I see myself, not God. Saul was very insecure, but God had specifically said to Saul, Saul, I'm going to make you king over the people. Why couldn't Saul just go there? Why couldn't Saul just be at that? He says, even though you don't think much of yourself, God has put you in charge. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, Amalekites, until they are all dead. But you haven't obeyed the Lord. Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? And then again, this is where we came in. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. No, you didn't. And Samuel said, even though you are insecure, God put you in this, but you're still operating in your insecurities. You're still living in your, your thinking. Let's, let's back up to verse 12, because this tells us, this shows us the insecurity, but this also tells us, the bigger picture of why Saul was doing what he did. Early the next morning, Saul went, uh, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went down to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. Why do people set up monuments to themselves? Because they're insecure. That's the reason. Because we want people to think we're special. And if we don't think, if we don't think they think we're special, we build monuments to, oursel to ourselves so that they know that we're special. This is why dictators put huge statues of themselves. This is the reason. Because they're scared to death what the people really think about them. And then when they find out somebody doesn't like them, they kill them. That is the height of insecurity. 
I mean, you know that. So, verse 22. So this is, this is the end of it. Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Now, usually when I read this, or focus, I focus on the obedience part. But I'm trying to get across this morning that the reason that Saul didn't obey is because he hadn't humbled himself. He was walking in himself, walking in his insecurities, all these other things. Instead of saying, God, you made me, you put me here. I'm just going to do what you say do. Just do what you say do. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering the fat of rams. Rebellion, do you see? He's tying this rebellion, and ins- I mean, obe- disobedience and insecurity into this rebellion. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Where does stubbornness come from? Rebellion. That's what stubbornness is. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> At the end of the day, we know this statement, but at the end of the day, we've got to internalize it. We've got to get at this and make it foundational to us. God is God. We're not. We, we, don't, get, we, we don't get to make the rules. Now, yes, we're, we're independent people with free will. We can do whatever we want. But what God desires you to do is humble yourself to Him and then do what He wants. That's His goal is if you humble yourself, then you do what He wants you to do. That's the opposite of rebellion. Rebellion rebellion is you making decisions. So, this is how, this is how I would like to pray about this. I, I, think, I think there's different things going on within all of our spirits right here, and you can be praying a lot of different ways with this, but this is, this is what I would think, this is what comes to my mind, is... Lord, humble me as I humble myself. Teach me to humble myself. And as I humble myself, you compound it and humble me more. As I'm, as I'm submitting and surrendering, compound that and help me surrender more. Because once we get in the mode, I think it's healthy. Lord, I want to be humbled. Now here's the, here's the kicker is, can you honestly say that to God? I want to be humbled. That's, that's it, right? Let's pray. God, we, we come before you. Lord, and we just want to be obedient to your scripture. And you said, humble yourself. Pray, seek your face, stop sinning. Lord, we, we, we pray that that's, that's the plan for us. We start right now with Lord humbles. I'm going to humble myself. And then you make that, that strong in my life. Lord, and I pray just across this whole room that, that wherever we are, all kinds of different places, Lord, that you, that you re- reveal to us right now that we need humility and, and how much. God, just open our spirit and show us right now. We need, we need this. And then just begin to break down the walls, begin to tear down the edges. Lord, I humble myself. I humble myself. In the name of Jesus. Keep your head bowed. I want to, again, this is just an opportunity for me to pray for you this week.
But if you say, I, this, I, I need this right now. I need, I need this. The Lord is convicting me. I need to humble myself. I'd like you to raise your hand. Keep, keep your hand up for a minute because we're going to pray specifically about this. I need to humble myself. Yeah, most of us in this room. Guys, that, that pumps me up. God, you see our hands. Lord, I believe those are, those are supernatural moments that, you, that you're pulling our soul and our spirit towards you. Lord, we humble ourselves. God, with everybody to put their hand up, I believe that's the step is I humble myself. Lord, help me. I humble myself. Help me. I don't want to walk in insecurity. I don't want to walk in arrogance. I don't want to walk in rebellion. I just want to know that you're my God and I'm following you. You created me just like I am and I'm following you. Lord, help us. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. Not just a better version of ourselves be like you, Jesus. I want to think like you. I want, to, I want my heart to beat like yours. Lord, I want, to, I want to submit myself like you did. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Um, I did want to ask, did we have did we have Oasis Church logo in the computer back there? I forgot. I think I was supposed to say that today. Is it in there? Do you know? Um, oh wait, so we're having the lunch after second service again for Iglesia Oasis. Um, they had their first service last week. I stayed. It was really good. Um, and it preached very long. I thought that was something was wrong there. But... Uh, but uh, we're having lunch again today after second service. You want to come back and join us. And uh, Pastor Sam and his wife will be in uh, second service again um, this week. And you'll see a lot more of them at off, off and on during different times. Uh, so come back if you can. And uh, we will see you then. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they are here. And we will see you tonight or we will see you Wednesday night or something.